Good morning, everyone. I can invite you to open your Bibles to the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter four. We're going to be focusing our attention on the second half of verse eleven. I told my wife April this week I'm going to preach on one half of a verse, and I don't think I have enough time to cover it all. So we need to go ahead and just get into it. Again, we'll be focusing our attention on the second half of verse 11, but I'll begin reading at verse 7 of chapter 4 of the book of 1 Peter. This is God's holy word for us, His people. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Father God, even as you say here in your word, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, I pray, O Lord, that you would now impart to us as we gather together, Your Holy Spirit and power, that the words spoken might be the very oracles of God, and that those who are gathered here this day might hear Your Word, and that Your Spirit might apply it to their hearts, that it might be lived out in their lives. We pray, O God, that we would come in weakness, and that in our weakness You would fill us up with Your strength. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Last week, as we looked at verses 8 through the first half of verse 11, we saw a strong call within to serve within the body of Christ. That is, we saw this countercultural message in which the Word of God calls us To look at the Christian life, to look at church life through the lens not of personal fulfillment and needs, but rather through a call to love and to serve the body of Christ. We are called to love the body of Christ through forgiveness and fellowship. We are called to serve the body of Christ by speaking the Word of God and working with the strength that God supplies. This is how we are to pursue a a healthy Christian life. Devotion to a body of believers with whom we have covenanted together to love and to serve. Now, we left off last week in the middle of verse 11. And this week, we'll focus our attention now on the second half. Look down there at that second half. It says, whoever serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
You see, last week we spoke of the call to serve. But this week we're going to see the specific way that the Lord has called His people to serve within the body of Christ. You see, the dynamic developed here in verse 11 is one that goes against our normal way of thinking about serving and working. When we hear a call to service, we think through what personal strengths we possess and we seek to serve the body of Christ with these strengths. You think, you know, I'm pretty good with numbers. And so I can help with accounting needs in the church. You think, you know, I'm really good with children. I love children. And so I'm going to work in the nursery. Or maybe you think, you know, I really don't have anything that I'm very good at, that I can see, that I could give to the church, so I will avoid service altogether. But Peter is laying out a very different way of thinking through how we serve in the church. A way that will keep us from self-reliance and a way that will keep us from being overburdened with the call to service. From losing sight of God's kingdom. Peter is laying out for us a path of service that will ultimately bring glory to God in a song of doxology to our hearts. What we'll see in our text is that God's call upon every Christian is not to serve out of your natural talents and energy, but rather to pursue a path of service that reveals your weaknesses and God's strength. A path of service that relies on God in such a way that when the job is complete, you are not the one that receives glory, but God is the one that receives glory. Are you reluctant to serve? Are you struggling with how and where and with what time and energy you will serve in the body of Christ? Then hear the word of God this morning. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength That God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified. Now at every job or goal, there is a corresponding path of training, right? If you're planning on running in the Virginia 10 miler that's happening in a couple of months, you're going to have to start running. You're going to have to start eating healthfully. You're going to have to follow some sort of an exercise plan. If you want to graduate from college, You have to go along a plan. You have to attend class, take notes, read assignments, write papers, study for exams. And if you desire to serve the Lord, there is a path of training that we are called to follow. You will have to be trained to serve in a particular manner. As we have seen, Peter says that if we are to serve, we must serve in the strength that God supplies That means that we have to be trained towards personal weakness. Now, this is very strange. I know we have to train ourselves towards personal weakness. This would never work in the world of sports or in business or in education. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we see that those who serve him are called to serve him not in their own strength, but in the strength that he supplies. And therefore, they must pursue what they are personally weak in. Or to put it another way, if we are to serve in the strength that God supplies, we must be first willing to serve in the weakness that we supply. This is the dynamic that plays itself out throughout the Scriptures. God is not looking for people with great talents to advance His kingdom, but with people who are willing to offer up their weaknesses. 
Why would He choose Moses to deliver His Word if Moses was a stutterer? Why Gideon as a deliverer and warrior if he was hiding in a wine press? Why David as king if he was the youngest and smallest of his brothers? Why Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles if he was a Jewish Pharisee persecuting the church? Why Peter as the chief of the apostles if he was the one who denied Christ? Why? Because God delights to use weak people to show forth His strength. He delights to display His glory through those who are willing to take the path of humility. Paul, struggling with his own personal weakness, prayed for the Lord to relieve him of this struggle. And we read in 2 Corinthians, the Lord replied, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, it is our weaknesses through which the power of God comes forth. So practically, how do we pursue personal weakness? How do we train ourselves to serve in a way that God's power comes forth? Well, I'm going to offer up to you just a handful of ways that we train ourselves towards weakness. And the first is the gospel. You see, we must pursue personal weakness by daily reminding ourselves and returning to the glory of Christ crucified for sinners. We must remember that apart from Christ, we would be dead in our sins. We must remember that apart from Christ, we would have no life, no hope of salvation. We would live in ignorance and foolishness. We must remember that we add nothing to our salvation. You see, the gospel itself is a message of our sin, but Christ's righteousness. Our death, but His Life And if we would serve in the strength that God supplies, we must continually return to this dynamic, this truth that we are saved not by our own righteousness, but by the righteousness that is given to us in Christ. Second, if we would train ourselves for personal weakness, we must give ourselves over to continual prayer. If we are to train for personal weakness, we have to cease striving and working and begin submitting to God. Prayer cannot be what we want it to be if we are going after the things that we desire according to our own power. For prayer cannot be what we fit in when everything else is done. Prayer cannot be the cherry on top of our acts of service. Prayer must be the very foundation of all that we do. We must call out to God day in and day out. We must join with one another and call out to God. You see, it is very easy in ministry and in service to the church to rely upon your own power. But at the end of the day, Nothing of eternal significance happens when we work without prayer. However, when we pray, we are giving up our time. We are giving up our power. We are resting on the power of God to work. How do we serve the church in the power that God supplies? 
through submitting ourselves in prayer. Third, we must begin practicing the discipline of fasting. Now, we're going to spend more time on the topic of fasting come this fall. But fasting is a powerful tool towards personal weakness. And it's a tool that has been neglected by and large in modern evangelicalism. But it is a discipline that the Lord Jesus expects us as disciples to begin to follow. And you better believe it. If you don't eat for a day, you don't eat for a week, if you don't eat for several weeks, you will begin to feel personally weak. You will begin to feel within your very body your need and your dependence upon the Lord. And if we are a body who will not go forward into the next generation according to our own power, but according to the power that God supplies, we must become a body who disciplines ourselves through fasting. Through growing after weakness to see the power of God at work within us. Fourth, to pursue personal weakness so that we can serve in the strength that God supplies we will need to begin to give sacrificially. There are few hindrances to service in the body of Christ more insidious than that of the love of money. Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. How do you weaken yourself? How do you pursue personal humility and lowliness? You begin to give sacrificially. Now the Bible commands that we give a tithe, the 10% of what we bring in. And I would challenge you, for your own spiritual health and training towards weakness, make a dedication to give sacrificially. If you don't tithe, begin to work toward that goal in faith. And if you do, begin to move towards greater sacrifices of your personal wealth so that you can begin to experience God's provision in the midst of your weaknesses. Now, there are many more ways that we might explore the pursuit of personal weakness to serve God. We might say that we should rest our whole day, that day of worship for the Lord's day. We could speak of submission to spiritual authority, trust in God's providence, confessing our sins to one another, planned days of silence. But in all of these disciplines, we must pursue them with a desire to serve in the strength that God supplies. For we do not pursue weakness for the sake of weakness. We pursue weakness because it is the greatest catalyst for spiritual God-given strength and power in ministry to the church and advancement of His kingdom. Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So then, how will anything get accomplished in the church, right? If we're called to pursue personal weakness, won't that mean that nothing will get accomplished? 
If you're saying, David, you know, if uh, I'm supposed to serve in my weakness, you know, I'm really bad at math. So do you want me to do the accounting for the church? Well, if we had you do that, I bet we would become a praying church. I don't like kids, you know, uh, should I serve in the nursery? You know, I'm really bad with people. Do you want me to be an usher? (laughs) Well, if we are praying and fasting and sacrificially giving, serving in our weaknesses, how will anything get accomplished in the church? We'll look at verse 11 again. It says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Quite simply, the one who does the real work in the church is Jesus Christ. You see, when we serve in the strength that God supplies, it means that we serve with trust that in our weakness, the power of Jesus Christ will come forth. When we serve in the power that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, then God is glorified. You see, we trust the gospel, not because it's a testimony of our righteousness, but rather because it's a testimony of Christ's righteousness. And in our spiritual weakness and poverty, we turn to Jesus in faith, believing because of His work, we will be forgiven and blessed. Do you realize the risk you are taking with the gospel? You see, we confess each and every day. We call forth our sin. We are saying, look, I am not righteous. If the gospel isn't true, then day in and day out, you are condemned by your sin. Because that's all you bring to the gospel. But if Christ supplies the strength, if Christ supplies the righteousness, then glory be to God through Jesus Christ and not you. And the same can be said through prayer. We do not pray because we have powerful words. We pray because of what Jesus said in John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. You see, we don't gather around and to pray with one another, hoping that somebody will hear our prayer in the room and go and do it. Right? Let's get together, have a prayer meeting. I'm going to pray that we have nursery workers in hopes that somebody in that room will hear that prayer and go do it. No. We come in weakness because we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will give strength to our prayers and that He will hear them and they will be accomplished. The same thing with fasting. In Luke 6, 21, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. The same thing with sacrificial giving. For the Lord says, bring the full tithe into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Thereby put me to the test. Don't put yourself to the test. Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You see, we must trust these promises of God to serve in the power that He supplies. For when we take the step of faith to pursue personal weakness, we do it with an eye of hope towards the work and the power of Christ. For God receives no glory 
when we serve in our own strength, when we are only willing to give what we know that we can produce on our own, but when we place ourselves in situations in which we must rely upon the work of Christ, then He is glorified. So how is the Lord calling you to serve in the strength that He supplies? What weakness is He calling you to offer up to Him so that His glory and His might and His strength will shine forth? In a month from now, August 25th, we're going to have a ministry fair during our Sunday school hour. And I want you at this moment to make a dedication to be there. Make a dedication to be there. To go to the ministry fair. It's between the services. And go in. And in reliance upon the Lord, ask, how will you have me serve the body of Christ? I know the time pressures that you have. I understand the financial pressures that you have. I understand that you are saying in your heart right now, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I want to say to you, you're right. You can't do it. And that's exactly the point. That's exactly where you need to be. Self-abandonment, humility, and weakness. This is where we begin our relationship with Christ. And this is how we continue in our relationship with Christ. Trusting in the strength that God supplies through Him alone. This is the economy of God's kingdom. Your weakness plus Christ's strength equals God's glory. And so in your service to the body, trust that Christ's strength will shine forth in your weakness. Now in our verse, something maybe unexpected happens. Peter is explaining how we serve in the strength that God supplies that so through Christ God will be glorified. And then all of a sudden, Peter starts worshiping God. He just breaks out in this hem of praise to God. There in verse 11, we see, he says, Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden he says, To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, some people even think, maybe this was supposed to be the end of the letter. Right? It just seems like right there in the middle of the letter, he's just bursting out into worship. Maybe he was supposed to end there. But this is something we see throughout Scripture. This is what we call a doxology. It's a hymn of glory to God. And throughout the New Testament, we see authors writing these doxologies. And most often, they are in this dynamic of human weakness as the context of God's glory. Listen to just a handful of these doxologies that show up throughout Scripture. And look how our weakness brings glory to God. It says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Or, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, no one ever sang praises to God for something that they did themselves. For glory and dominion and honor and authority belong to the Lord. And the praise of God results when we see the depravity of man filled up by the fullness of God. When our guilt is atoned for. When our ignorance is overcome. When our sinfulness is restrained. When our spiritual poverty has become abundant life. When we serve in the strength that we supply, it will result first in pride and second in burnout. But when we serve in the strength that God supplies, it will lead to worship. Now I want you to take a moment to imagine a young boy who shows early signs of reading struggles. He's placed in remedial reading classes throughout elementary school. He fails spelling tests, struggles to read at grade level throughout school. Throughout middle school and high school, he hides his gaze whenever the teacher is going to ask somebody to read out loud, hoping that he will not be called to read out loud. When he is called upon, he begins to sweat. He stumbles over his words. This student fails foreign languages, especially Spanish, his freshman year of high school, because he can't keep up with the work. He's embarrassed by his struggles to spell words correctly on essays and tests. Now, that's not the person that you would put forward for pulpit ministry. That's not the person that you would call to be your preaching pastor, somebody that stumbles over his words, that hates to read out loud, that gets all hot and sweaty when he has to speak in front of people. And that's why I struggled to accept the call into ministry. I thought, Lord, there's no way that you could call me. That's my weakness. That's where I struggle. That's what I hate to do. I could not imagine myself week in and week out called upon to do the very things that I struggled and hated to do all growing up. To write and to read and to speak before a crowd of people. Not to mention that I'm naturally an introverted person and it's challenging to be in a public calling. But it is our weaknesses, not our strengths that God desires to use within the kingdom of God. It's our struggles that He seeks to fill up to show forth His glory. First through the Gospel, imparting forgiveness and eternal life to helpless sinners, and then through our humble submission to His calling on our lives. Our verse ends with Amen. Which means, let it be. Let it be. What will your Amen be to this verse? What weakness in your life is God calling you to offer up in service to Him? How will you show forth your belief in the strength of Christ in the midst of your weakness? Christian, pursue the God-glorifying power of weakness by trusting 
the power of Christ alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father God, we come to You, Lord, because in all of our work, in all of our struggling, in all of our striving, Your Word continually calls us to stop, to wait upon the Lord, to rest, and to see the power of God come forth in our lives. And so we pray, O God, in this moment, that You would sanctify this moment, that You would consecrate it as a time in which Your people offer up to You the weaknesses of their life, trusting that You, O God, will be faithful to Your promises. Lord, when we are weak, then we are strong in You. We pray it in Your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.